welcome to Hello. Crack, welcome to Crack Records, <laughs> formally after like this is two the weeks moment. of. Oh, this is the moment. This is the moment. This is it. Yep. Like Michael Jackson's film. This is it. <laughs> is it? <laughs> Except. We're not dead. We're not dying after this. We're just getting started. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> you didn't. You didn't watch that movie. It was. It I was actually a, haven't. I oh actually my. haven't watched. Probably like beats and pieces, but I like I haven't. Oh my god, that movie was so iconic. You should watch it because it was it. It was the moment. <laughs> and then yeah. two weeks later, he died. Anyways, uh, hi. We are your host. My name is Cindy. I'm an artist and I'm a lawyer. I've played pretty much every instrument you can think of at this point. I could have been a multi instrumentalist, but I decided to go to law school. But some things are so hard to like leave behind so i consider myself an artist before being a lawyer well i am drew sang i am an architect and a graphic designer and also i've been sort of like gaining more confidence to say that i am a musician a songwriter producer so yeah yeah so check his music on spotify and apple music <laughs> damn promo yeah, Thanks. hell yeah. <laughs> We're in with the promos already. We're sponsored by ourselves. Psych. Yeah. <laughs> That's how we do it for now. Um, so today's topic is kind of an introduction so the listener can get to know us and get in the vibe of Crack Records. We're going to yeah. talk about, we're going to dive in into identity. But first of all, what is Identity. Well, I, you know, I've been thinking about that a lot because, you know, you mentioned it before to me. Um, but at the time, I didn't know what I was going to say or, you know, what I thought identity was. But I think identity is sort of like all these things that built uh, you. I mean, it could be uh, all the, you know, physical uh, sort of like also sonic stuff, visual stuff that you pick or that is given to you so you can build your persona. That's what I think identity is. Yeah, not only that, but it's... um, I guess it goes in hand with the influence of the things you don't get to choose, like where you grow up, where you come from, where your family is. Um, those external things kind of like influence your identity and shape it to a bit. I would say... I would say identity and influence go hand in hand because um, even in music, which is where I want to get to, um, identity, what makes uh, the musician's identity is the way they portray their voice on, so on songs, um, the chord progression of their music. Let's say you and I take a guitar and we're told, let's play, for example, um, tell me a song. Um, Smells Like mm -hmm. Teen Spirit by Nirvana. Yeah. Let's say we're both told, let's play this song. And I, since I'm a like more rock um, leaning person, I would yeah. play it, the chords, just as the song would be. And... Since you're more like a popish person, yeah. you would play it um, slower, kind of giving probably a Billie Eilish vibe. I don't know. Yeah. That would be cool, though. That would be cool. 
Um, which reminds me of the time of I saw this video of Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters. Um, he was mentioning that him and his band were gonna play Never Gonna Give You Up, Never Gonna Give You Up mm, and, by Rick Astley. Mm-hmm. And they were gonna pl they were playing the chords, and when they were playing it, they realized it's the same chord progression as Smells Like Teen Spirit. So they ended up playing that song like the style of Smell of Teen Spirit, and it was cool. <laughs> I have to look that up. I haven't seen that. Um, everything we mention and reference, we're gonna link it in the show notes just in case everybody anybody wants to like dig deeper. But we got a lot of cool videos and playlists coming up. We're gonna be diving. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna make a we make a playlist for every episode. So be yeah, sure to check check that out on Spotify. Yeah, we're gonna share it on Instagram. Yeah, we're gonna share it on our Instagrams. So you can like after you listen to this episode, then you get into the playlist and I don't know start your day because this episode's gonna come out in the morning. So Hell yeah. it's a great way to start the day with us <laughs> yes what is a song that you've been feeling lately mm. great question um i'm really feeling florence and the machine's new song my Can love it's insane like like i really was expecting something else and she sort of like switched it up i mean it's sort of like reminiscent of her ceremonials album but more of a way more like deep into the pop realm it's great it's really great is it because um jack Adderoff produced it actually this one was not produced by jack it was produced by i don't i forgot his name but the uh, lead man of glass animals that was a very unusual that's, pair that's, there for me that's a that's a very unusual move like but it's it's so good when I think about um, Last Animals, I think about that song. Heat waves, it freaking me out. Oh, yeah. Sometimes all I think about is you. Yeah. How about you? Um, I'm lately feeling... I'm lately feeling um, on track by Tim and Paula because um, mm. that song is about... Like, you feel like you're not exactly where you want, but strictly speaking you're kind of still on track and that's how I feel because uh, when I pictured myself five years ago when I started to study law school I as soon as I was done I pictured myself in California getting my LLM for entertainment law but then COVID hit and that kind of made me change plans because I realized I don't want to go to like I would like to go to California maybe not now because I want to take advantage that I'm close to my family um, yeah it's really interesting how you say that COVID sort of like hold you hold you back because uh, you know but you in know in, in my in my case COVID sort of like did something for everyone in your case you know it holds you back in my case COVID was the reason I guess I started releasing music because I've, you know, I've been making music since I was like 2017, like officially, but I've never shared anything until like on 2020. I sort of like decided I'm going to do it. I'm going to start recording and drop the music. So and it's not exactly like holding me back. It's just that it kind of made me think about what I really want to do. Like, I really want to be an entertainment lawyer and I'm on process yeah. of doing it. But, um, 
I wasn't sure of itself going to California anymore. I started considering other places. That's yeah. that's what pretty much happened. I mean, that's good because I mean, timing. I feel like timing is a perfect thing, and maybe it, it was is. right now. It's the moment for you like to do it, and right now you're doing it, so that's great. Yeah, that's true. So basically, strictly speaking, I am still on track. <laughs> um, but uh, what I really like about Tim and Paula is I really feel identified with him on a personal way because as I mentioned when I was introducing myself, I've played mm. pretty much every instrument you could think about. Um, I've been on and guitar he, classes. And he does play yeah, exactly. every instrument. He does everything by himself down to the yep. production, to the lyrics. Goals. That's everything. goals. That's goals right there. Um, I used to play guitar. I used to play the bass. I used to play the piano. Um, I had a drum set in my house that I didn't even um, use because I, I was intimidated by the drums, even though I love them so much. <laughs> Same. Um, I Drumming used, is really fucking hard. It's it's a talent because you got to use both parts of your brain and like pretty much divide them into being yeah, something you independent. You really need to have like a, yeah, a really nice rhythm. It's really easy. It's really like easy to get lost in a way like I know. do it wrong. It's it's, it's bad. Um, like Dave Grohl said, you're only as good as your drummer is in a band. Mm. And also, I've taken guitar classes when I wasn't when I was little. I used to be like the lead in all my choruses, even though I used to be like, ah, oh, I don't want to sing. I don't want to <laughs> sing. And then I'll be in the stage front and center digging my guts out <laughs> i guess it's always been a part of me yeah that's, i mean that's, that's you. yeah that's that's like my identity like music is a really intrinsic part of my identity i would say there's a part of you of all of us that is um really thanks to uh, wait let me see how i rephrase this I would say our identity, a big part of it, is because of the music we listened to growing up, but then we get to a point where we start discovering music for ourselves, and we decide what we like and we don't like, and that's when you start um, carving our personal identity, and yeah. you start separating yourself with the music that surrounds you. Like in our case, you know how we grew up listening to predominantly English music, but yeah. we live we live in a Spanish speaking country, so it's kind of interesting to see it play out and like looking back, we were kind of like the emo kids in a way. <laughs> well, I True. was. Yeah, I mean 50-50, I guess. Like I had like a 50% of it. Yeah. I would say um when we were growing up, MTV was still a thing. Like when it was still, good, when it was good I mean, television music. Yeah, it, it still played actual music videos, but um, we were seeing the transition of MTV going from actual music television to reality shows and yeah. everything but music. So I'd say we grew up in the last good days of MTV. 100%. To be honest, MTV was a really great place to discover new music because the amount of music that I discovered through TV was is like most of it. 
when I started seeing that MTV was stop was not playing as often music as it used to, I literally stopped watching music altogether because in the morning when I was getting ready for school, I would turn Same. on the TV. I think we all for, did. Yeah. yeah, and I would like leave it there as I was getting ready, and I was like introduced to um, new artists, and they would put artists that I already love. And in the day, in back in the days, I had an iPod. And I used to like download a lot of music there. <laughs> yeah, is there a song from your childhood? Like, do you like? Do you remember the first song that you've like ever heard for some? Re- not first song, you know what I mean? Like mm. one song that you like? Oh, I feel like this is the first song I have in like in my memory. You know, seated in my memory. The fir- the first song that I have in my memory for some reason. Um. Every time we touch by Cascara comes into mind. Because, mm. like, <laughs> I used to, like, make dances with that song with my cousin. <laughs> so, for some reason, that song is what comes to mind. Um, or, you know you know what song, actually, that goes way before that? Torn, the cover by Naturally Imbroglia. Oh, right, I'm that's a good song. I that's think a smash the, right there. I think the chord progression of that song is what made me want to get into the guitar. Because it's, like, simple, yeah. but it, like, um, you get addicted to it. It's, it's one of my favorite chord progressions. So, sort of, like, um, what's the word? Like uh, bittersweet. I know. I forgot the technical name of the of the chord progression, but I'll get to it because I'm starting to st- study music theory again. I I hated I hated music theory. Um, I when I played guitar and when I took guitar classes, I didn't want to touch a uh, acoustic guitar. I wanted to go straight into the the electric. Straight into I, <laughs> I was like, I wanted to be a rock star. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And the teacher was like, you got to learn the scales and the basics before you get there. We're going to get there. You're really good. You're a fast learner. But you need to learn the basics. I'm like, I don't want to. I, I, I want to smash guitars. I want to be a rock star. I want to be fucking... Um, I want to be like Pat Benatar. I want to be like Joan Jett. I want to be a rock star. Um... <laughs> And now that I'm a certain age that I've realized that I'm a very theoretical person, like I like getting to, into the theory of things, I, I'm getting into music theory by choice this time. Like I'm reading books, I'm like doing my research because I'm trying to reconnect that side of me. It's great. I know. I, I personally think uh, every lawyer who wants to be in the music industry... Uh, I feel like they need to have like a music sensibility, art sensibility. So it's great that you sort of like have that knowledge there for you. I yes, um, and just a heads up for future episodes because we're gonna be talking about this soon. Um, you know how Dua Lipa is getting sued, um, but I'm not gonna talk about that um, now. I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna like give my thoughts on another episode because people have been begging me to talk about it. But I just wanted to mention, yeah, and we um, will. You see Dark Horse by Katy Perry? Yeah. Okay, so um, she got sued a few years ago. I don't remember who who was the plaintiff, um, who demanded. Um, he was. I think it was like a Christian singer. 
I don't remember. Point. Um, he was alleging that she ripped off the notes like. Um, he was alleging, and what I want to point out is that in this lawsuit, he got very technical, like music theory. Like I saw, um, like snippets of the complaint, and it had like the the music. Um, what's the name of the scale, with like the notes and everything? Um, I have no idea. <laughs> that I forgot. I forgot that like the the technical name, but I'm trying to not be technical on this episode because you know I don't want to intimidate the audience too soon. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but he went really technical with the music theory. He was like, "Oh, um, so the song in this in this clip, um, she she did the notes like this. It was a chord progression like this. Meanwhile, with my song, you know, yeah. Um, in complaints like that, in lawsuits like that, when it has to do with copyright infringement, specifically music, you need to prove to the court that first that it was like." You gotta go to the theory, and you gotta prove that um, the artist that is supposedly ripping your art from you had some sort of access to that song, mm. and really saw, listened to the song, and was like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna rip this off completely." You know, it's 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 kind yeah. of hard to prove it, but um, he won the case. Katy Perry appealed. Um, the Court of Appeals um, reversed the judgment in favor of Katy Perry, so he took it to the. I believe he he took it to the Supreme Court. I don't remember the the, the procedural history, but um, he tried to appeal that decision, and pretty much the 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 court affirmed Katy's um, posture, and the Ninth Circuit of the Supreme uh, the Ninth Circuit Court of the United States um, pretty much said that this melody was too common for it to be copied, and yeah, that kind of sets ground to what I want to talk about Dua Lipa's case in another episode. But point mm. is, um, you gotta get really technical on the lawsuit in order to prove what you want. Otherwise, your case is just completely flat and it's a frivolous chase of money and publicity. Yeah, there's also another case going around which I haven't dive in yet because I, I don't know. Which one? But it's about uh, Taylor Swift uh, Shake It Off case. There's this like this band that apparently they think they created the word haters gonna hate. Oh yeah, that's, I think that's sort of like the lawsuit's about. Which, uh, that's the reason why she supposedly she hasn't released the re-recorded version of 1989 because that's like holding it back. Oh, I think I've heard of this case, but I I would have to um get into it in order for me to speak on it. But I forgot where I was going with this. <laughs> on another note. Um, what are your musical influences growing up? Like, what do you listen mm. to? What do your parents mm. listen to? That's that's where I'm trying to go. Well, I grew up, as you said in in the beginning, we grew up both listening to more English language music, and I think it was because of my dad. He he was very selfish, and he played only <laughs> his music. So, <laughs> I think from there. Um, I sort of like develop my musical taste because I grew up listening to a lot of like what people consider the classics like late 60s, 70s, 80s. I'm talking about um, the Beach Boys, the Police, the Turtles, um, 
David Bowie, Madonna, Springsteen, all of those legends. I grew up because of my dad, because he's a really huge fan of the, the that type of music. And then my mom, she played, I mean, she played her music, and we all know the classic Latin artist music. So, but I mainly sort of like uh, lean more into the English language music because when you are when you're a kid you think that the english music is better and that you're cooler and you want to be cool blah 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 <laughs> so I, i i was that kind of kid so that's why i kind of like lean more into the english music language and i mean it turned out i find now that i think after i grew up that i started to appreciate more the spanish language music which i feel like i um w uh, missed on it Uh, I feel you completely. Um, I relate, especially to the part where you said that you listen to mainly English music to seem like you're cooler, to seem like you're, you know, different. Like you're that yeah. kid. I used to be like that. Um, my mom is a heavy musical influence on me because she kind of raised me listening to anything and anything as long as it floats my boat. Like, Um, I recall listening to a lot of Alicia Keys, Lauryn Hill, Evanescence, mm. Linkin Park, um, Pharrell Williams, Eve Gwen Stefani. Um, I discovered the rock by myself by playing um, rock band when I was 10. But she listened to a lot of R&Bs from the 2000s and rock bands from those years. I would say, yeah, mainly R&B and rock. Um, but the music, uh, I leaned more towards was rock because it was kind of like what made me stand out. Um, what I was in middle school and everybody was listening to reggaeton and pop music. And I would be like, um, I like, I like this band. It's called Fall Boy. Um, and I like this other band called All Time Low and Paramore. You probably never heard of them, but they're like my favorite band <laughs> in the world. Uh -huh. We were definitely like that. You're definitely like that. Um, obviously, I listen to a lot of Michael Jackson because obviously, who doesn't listen to Michael Jackson? Yep. Um, Madonna. Um, Keenan Queen of pop music. Hell yeah. Um, a lot of Shakira, actually. My mom really was big into Shakira. And I. it wasn't until recent years that I started reconnecting to Shakira and started appreciating her as the lyricist that she is. She's a legend. She, like people, she is a legend. I mean, people know it, but like we have to reassure that she's truly a legend. Like, which album of Shakira do you feel like it's more close to you mm. based on your childhood? Mm, I would say Donde Están Los Ladrones. And then, yeah, there you go. Uh, recently, I've learned that this This album was not intentionally because she was she wrote another album and she was at the airport and somebody stole her suitcase which had the notebook where she had every song for this new album to be recorded and she was so frustrated by that um, like the whole concept and everything the ideas the lyrics. Um, was stripped out completely because somebody stole her suitcase and she never found oh it. So she wrote "Donde." Yeah, so she kind of wrote "Donde están los ladrones" as a note to that, out of her frustration of what happened to her. 
I mean, again, timing. Maybe the album wasn't meant to happen. <laughs> and because Don't Dis Thanos Ladrones is so good. It's from so from beginning to end, like no skips. I agree. I it's agree. So good. I agree completely. Um, wait, I can't. I'm trying to think of because, like, the track list is not on my mind right now. Don't this done. Um, don't this obviously the first the first one is um, Ayer te Ciega Sordo Moda. That's the first one. That's the first track. Oh yeah, that that I was big on that song. Oh wait, yeah. so oh, I was obsessed with the music video too. Okay, so now I remember. In that song, you have the hits Ciega Sordo Mudo. Um, yeah. You have Si Te Vas. We have Inevitable. We have Octavo Dia. Yo, Octavo Dia is probably my, my favorite Shakira song because it's per, it's pretty much like a political commentary. And my mom used to own um, the After Ride, After, eh, After Record concert from her. Um, that concert was iconic. I kind of turned back to it every time I needed like a pick me up because the performance mm -hmm. was so good. Um, and in Octavo Dia, I like the visuals that she puts out in the, the screen. She would put like puppets being like politicians and stuff because that song is pretty much a political commentary. And I like yeah. something that she says in the speech when, when the song is about to break down. She's like, Polit uh, musicians are not supposed to um, comment on what's going on in politics, but I'm going to. And that kind of like stood me up. Um, yeah. Also, in that song, Edigo, in that album, we have Ojos Así, which is probably her biggest hit to date. Yeah. Very we, staple song. Uh, yeah, it's a very staple Shakira song. Like, you cannot um, say, you don't know a Shakira song because everybody knows that song. Um. What else? Hmm. I'm thinking. Yeah, I'm thinking. Um, which artist do you feel that you still um, sort of like carry on, still love from your childhood? Because we are always ever-changing and that sort of like makes us develop uh, a music identity because we, we never stay the same. We may... Stay, let a few sort of like stuff uh, from ourselves that makes us evolve. So which artist do you feel like you have, haven't let go? I feel like it's Paramore. I don't even have to... Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't have to... I thought that too. Like I knew the answer, but I obviously... <laughs> we, ha we have to share. Of course. Um, so... I've discovered Paramore through Rock Band 2 because I had the one, two, three, and I had Guitar Hero. And the first song I heard was That's What You Get back in 2007. And that quickly became my favorite band. I don't know why. It just like stuck to me that Haley William was like this energetic um, force of energy, um, creative, 
um, this power voice, and she was very young yeah. because, you know, Paramore has been together since Haley was like 14 years old. So at the time, mm. I, I believe she was like 17. So now I listen to that album, um, Riot, and I'm like, wow, she was only 17, and she was doing all this. Like she is a power, powerful performer, especially live. And it's always so. I, I found this so amusing how. When you were, because you when you were younger, you most of the artists were obviously older than you, and then when you're like the age that they were doing that music, you were like, "Damn, like, like I'm this age and I'm doing nothing." Yeah, and they were doing this or they wrote this, and you're like, "God." I agree. Um, Haley Williams um, stood out to me because of that. He was like, wow, she's so young. She's already doing this stuff. And then when I turned that age and I would listen to those songs, I was like, wow, I am that age. And she was this age when this came out. Like, why am I not this talented? But really, yeah. um, being a Paramore fan kind of carved my identity in a way because um, that was like my medal of being like, oh, I'm not like other girls. I'm different. <laughs> <laughs> um. Those were like the emo days, you would say, because um, those bands were really like in the mainstream. You know that emo aesthetic of 2007 that every like it girl was like emo and put themselves like their hair in a really weird way. I really wanted we to be that. We all went through that phase. I really wanted to be that person, but I was about 10 when it was 2007. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was 10. <laughs> it was a great time. Yeah. Um, music music on that time was literally on steroids in a good way. Yeah, I agree. Because in, like in the late, early 2000s, when it was about to approach 2010, Lady Gaga was up and coming. Um, she, she, mm. she took the world by storm. She said, pop girlies, yeah, step had, aside. The new Madonna has arrived. Yeah, she had the, the world in the palm of her hand in, like, in a nick of time, in a minute. I agree. Um, she released The Fame in 2008 and... She became this huge sensation. I believe yeah, my was 22, 23. I believe MySpace was still popping back in the days. I didn't use MySpace because my mom didn't allow me to use social media. And I think that was, at the time I didn't understand, but now I see that it was a responsible parenting decision because there's a lot of weird people out there. Even, at, even for me at 24, there's a, still a lot of weird people. For real. Out there. Um... But the way people um, discovered, like, you see artists nowadays, they talk about their MySpace days because that was, like, a huge part of their identity. They're like, oh, yeah, um, I used to go to MySpace and I used to listen to so-and-so, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's insane. <laughs> but what I'm, what I'm trying to say is that um, Lady Gaga um, kind of took the MySpace girlies um, by storm because... Everybody in MySpace was like so into rock. Um, I can't speak much on the MySpace era because I wasn't a part of it. But I only know the the stories that people tell me. Yeah, but I I know that most artists uh, used to share music there. Taylor used to share her early stuff there. Um, yeah, that was like the platform for musicians it's before Twitter. Yeah, Facebook. there was before there was um, such an app that is today TikTok. 
there used to be MySpace where artists up and coming would share their stuff and it would go viral. Um, and people who were like really into music were in MySpace and everybody had like this competition of who had the best profile picture, who mm. had the best playlist on their, on their profile. It was kind of like Tumblr. Before yeah. Tumblr, except Tumblr was never as big as MySpace because by the by the time Tumblr came out, we had Twitter already and we had Facebook and we had pretty much everything else. So Tumblr didn't um, get the space it deserved. But it was also, really big. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know where when did SoundCloud came out, but I think MySpace during that time was what is SoundCloud now because SoundCloud is still a, a great um, platform for you to share your music. Like you can get, you people get still get discovered through there. So maybe MySpace, I mean, MySpace was SoundCloud for today. What is SoundCloud today? You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Let's see, because I've never been... I've never been that big on 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 SoundCloud, but I believe SoundCloud um, was created in two thousand seven. Mm. Uh, so I would yeah. So it kind of makes sense that um, you know YouTube, Bandcamp, and SoundCloud were pretty much born in the same time. You know um, the early days of YouTube. 2005-ish, I already was into music. Like, I would um, search for whatever was there. And I I've been consuming a lot of YouTube since its early days. I would say YouTube is also a big part of my identity. Yeah, I didn't get to use YouTube until... For real, I mean, for real. I mean, you, like, I... No, let me rephrase that. I used to, I didn't have internet until 2009 on my on my home. So I used to go to like a cyber cafe every day after school to like use social media, download music. But it wasn't until like 2009 that I explored YouTube in full time. And that helped sort of like helped me discover more music. I've always been a music person um, because I have a young mom. So I've always had internet access to my house, but my mom was very clear of what I can browse and what I cannot. Mm. She never limited me YouTube because back in the days where you, when YouTube was up and coming, YouTube wasn't really a threat because there was not much content going no. on. Like you would see funny videos, you would see like parodies, you would see like some songs. There was a lot of copyright infringement. Like now that I think about it... um. There was a lot of copyright infringement, but like back in the days, people would like uh, post things for free and you wouldn't realize um, whatever big crime you're doing until you kind of become aware of it. Mm. And there was this app called um, LimeWire. Everybody and their mothers used LimeWire to download music. And for us Latinos, we had Ares. Mm. <laughs> and, and download all the music viruses yeah. you can think of. That's the problem with that app. Yeah, you would download all the... I mean, Iris was great. All the <laughs> yeah, Iris was great, not gonna lie. Ignoring, obviously, um, the, the every, like, virus. But, I mean, if you had a good uh, antivirus, you were good. You, you could download Iris. Yeah, of course. Um, but 
you know, if you were careful with it, um, you pretty much curated your library with it. Yeah. What it is today, you know? Um, but now we have streaming, so you don't have to think about the virus in your computers because of downloading music and you have to pay for the access of the of the platforms which i will dive deep into uh like a history of what of how we got into music streaming because we've kind of come a long way but um i've kind of discussed this in a class that i have of antitrust law and it's pretty much a res uh, a response to all the downloading illegally music But the thing is, when you're streaming a song, I mean, you sense. don't really own. You own a song. You don't own the song. That's what I'm trying to say. You don't own the song. You just own like the right to listen to it. But um, unless you have like a premium, you can't download it. But if you um, cancel your subscription, your music is gone. So you don't own the songs. Unless you like buy them on the music stores, which nobody really does anymore. No, only like the hard fan, the hard fans, but still buy CDs. Yeah, like, I collect CDs. It's been a while since I buy like a CD because I mean I live in Dominican Republic and it's not very easy to get CDs. But I collect vinyl records, and at first. It was kind of not accessible as it is today because vinyl records, even though they're kind of resurging, yeah. um, back in the day, it was not that common to see artists um, to have like exclusive pressings. Um, and now that it's coming more to mainstream surface, mm -hmm. you see more uh, stores that don't even have to do with uh, vinyls itself. Um, do exclusive pressings and it's just uh, a weird way to watch because um, they even bring codes for you to download the music in mp3 format which i didn't pay attention to <laughs> yeah it's really sad because i personally am a, a i really love the buying physical music because you may never know what like one day the internet could be gone that's true <laughs> so where where do you gonna listen to music you know who knows The internet could be gone tomorrow, and what are we going to do? What are you going to do? True. <laughs> Where are you going to listen to music? So buying physical uh, music, it's still a great, uh, I could say, investment. I agree completely. Um, it's something which more quality sound, and it's going to last you forever. Yeah. However, you got to be aware of the environmental damage that comes with buying physical music, such as shipping, boxes, so on and so forth. Yeah, uh, I was going to say that that's a, uh, the uh, thing about physical music. It's a really interesting topic because, um, you know, climate change and all the stuff that goes to waste. Lloyd, for example, with her recent album, Silver Power, did a really, I think, really good Like the future of physical music, she released this. She called it a music box, and there was no CD. It was all card, a carton, and paper, and it just had like a download a link to the album in really good quality, like not MP M4A, but like WAV. That's that's amazing. Really nice. So I think like if you know, because the thing about physical CD, it's having something. 
that the artist gives to you and you sort of like, you know, with all these like details and imagery that reflects the record. So it's a really good uh, thing to have to collect. And she wants to keep that alive, but uh, limiting the, um, how do I say this? The waste, the plastic waste, because when you have, when you release an album, um, you, you sell it right. But some, sometimes when, when years pass, Uh, the albums go to waste, you know, that plastic goes to waste. It's important to see artists um, like Lord, who has a voice and platform, um, to raise a voice on these issues. And I like that step that she's taking of being more environmentally friendly, considering that um, yeah. nowadays we consume more than we used to do a few years back for the sake of convenience. So I really like that step that she's taking. But I guess... Um, we're gonna have to dive into that topic on another time. Yeah. Because we're kind of running out of time, actually. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Crock Records. We will be here yeah. every Sunday. Um, you can follow us on Instagram. I think people uh, got a nice kind of like uh, introduction of us. Yeah, we will definitely obviously more developing like you will get to know us more but this to start this this was great this was just an introduction expect more great things to come you can follow us on instagram at crack records but without the vocals for records um you can send requests on topics send us uh, suggestions of songs uh write questions whatever you want you can write us at our email crack records podcast at gmail.com You can also DM us on Instagram. You can DM us on our personal Instagrams. We're very active there in our yeah. own ways. And we yeah, will see you. Yeah, if you have you. anything to say, any suggestion, any whatever you want, you can say hi to us via DM on Instagram. And you can um, email us too. Uh, yeah, and we will see you on Sunday. Thank you for listening. Every Sunday, a new episode. Thank you for listening.